This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 107. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 107. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Hello, shameless moms. Okay, I'm going to just dive right into this topic because I feel like the title is a little harsh. I feel like I'm telling you all like you're not meeting your goals. And let me tell you why you bad children (laughs) with like looking at you with one eyebrow raised like I know all that there is to know about this. So the truth about this episode is I know about these things because I've experienced them. But I also I've experienced them personally, but I also know about them on a professional level because I don't know if there is a greater area in life where people struggle to meet their goals more than at the gym. So as a gym owner, I've seen a lot of people struggle with goals. It's kind of a constant conversation that we have in the fitness industry. Someone who works in the fitness industry, it's a constant conversation that I'm having with my clients. And sometimes I'm having these conversations with the same people for years. And so I'm not saying this as a thing of judgment at all. I'm just saying this is a very factual thing that goal setting is hard and meeting goals is hard. And I have seen now after working with thousands and thousands of women over time, whether you're moms or not, I've seen how it's so difficult, why it's so difficult, what holds people back. And I feel like I've been able to fill in some of the gaps and put some of the pieces together in terms of those are like opposite filling in gaps. And actually, no, I guess they're the same. 
to really start to put the pieces together and help people fill in the gaps when it comes to setting a goal and meeting a goal and then what actually happens between the setting and the meeting of the goal or the setting of the goal and the not meeting of the goal as often is the case. So I want to say that the reason I want to talk about this is because we are two months or a little more than two months now into the new year. And this is where oftentimes people are thinking like, wow, you know, I had some things I really wanted to do this year and I haven't started on them yet. Does that mean I should just give up on it and wait till next year? First of all, the answer to that is no, do not give up and do not wait until next year. Start now. The best time to start is always now. And the easiest time to start is always now. Even if it's hard right now, starting creates momentum and creates energy around the thing that you want to do. And so it's always a good idea to just start. So I want to talk about the four reasons that you're not meeting your goals. And I bet one of these pertains to you, probably more than one pertains to you, and it might be that all four pertain to you. So let's go ahead and dive in. So the first reason you might not be meeting your goal is that you have not seriously considered how amazing your life would be if you actually met the goal. And so we oftentimes think about a goal maybe for changing careers and we put it off and we put it off and we put it off and we think it's not the right time and it would like unsettle the family and it would be hectic and chaotic and scary and it would be a lot of unknown. But have you really thought about how the quality of your life would change if you actually started to work toward that goal? And the first thing that would happen is that once you start working toward a goal, you get through the anticipatory anxiety. And so you get through an anticipatory anxiety is all of that anxiety leading up to starting And then once you get started, you're like, oh, this actually isn't that bad. Like I actually can do this thing that is kind of hard. And I actually was recently, my own little personal experience with this is I got to do an escape room recently. Has anyone done an escape room? Everyone laughed at me because I was doing it with this group of people. And I pointed out to them that I only knew what it was because I'd seen it on The Real Housewives. And I was like, please do judge me because now I have like compromised my integrity and my character among this group of professionals by admitting that that's why I know what an escape room is. But an escape room is it's like a group team building activity where you go in with a group of people and you essentially get locked into a room and there's kind of a story built around it. And then you have to use all these clues and go through like all these discoveries. They're usually themed. So ours had like a pirate theme to it. And so we had to, with this pirate theme, we had to find five pieces to this map and the room is just filled with like trinkets and locks and puzzles and all this stuff. It was really fascinating to see how they did it. And I'll tell you, I went into this thing as I often do with group things where I was like, I'm not going to be good at this. And I don't think I'm good at puzzles. And I don't know, like I always, and I swear this is because I did not play team sports. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I went into it thinking I'm not going to be good at this because I'm not like a master puzzle person or whatever. And I was actually really good at it. Like I found the first two pieces. There was five pieces to this map that we had to find. I found the first two. And I was like, oh, like actually I'm good at this. And my takeaway from that, we all had to talk about our biggest takeaways afterwards. And I said, my takeaway is that nothing is ever as hard as you think it's going to be. So when you get started, then there's always this little bit of relief of like, oh, like now I know what to expect. I don't have to just be scared of it. And there's a lot of relief that comes with that. So that's why I say just start, like you just start anytime you need to, whenever you're thinking like, oh man, like I've already wasted two months of the new year, just start, (laughs) just do something. You will feel so much better for having started. But also think about what exactly would it look like if you did the thing that you really wanted to do, if you actually met that goal. So maybe that is changing careers. Like what would that mean for your family? What would it feel like to come home from a job that you really loved or even be in school to prepare for a job that you love more than what you love than what you're doing now? Or what would it mean to 
lose 30 pounds? What would that actually feel like? How would you feel when you were working out if you were 30 pounds lighter? How would you feel getting on and off the floor with your kids if you were 30 pounds lighter? How would you feel if you felt more comfortable in your skin? Now, that's not to say that I think everyone should have a weight loss goal. I just think that this is what I'm faced with many times is that a lot of women do and a lot of women struggle with meeting that goal. And I think that the reason that women struggle with meeting that goal is that they don't really think about what would that mean to meet this goal? How would my life be so much better if I met this goal to make it worth doing the things that need to be done in order to meet the goal. So if you haven't seriously considered how amazing your life would be, if you actually met your goal, then think about what would be different and what would be better. Would you be more patient with your kids if you met this goal? Would you be more productive at work? So this is specific to a weight loss goal now. Would your clothes be fitting better? Would you have more desire to eat really well because you are in this cycle of taking good care of yourself? Would you have more energy all day? Would you be sleeping better? Would you have less anxiety and depression? Would you have a better outlook on life? Would you feel like you had more control over things? Would you feel more assertive in relationships? So what's interesting is a lot of those things apply to weight loss, but a lot of them also apply to changing career paths or a lot of other goals. Because the things that happen when we go reach toward any goal is that we often have like better energy and more like a fuel on our fire and more like decreased anxiety just because we know we're moving towards something positive that we really, really want. So there's this really positive spin on your life that can happen just because you know you're moving towards something that you're really excited about and really passionate about. And so that can all be very life-giving. What would it feel like if you were to feel stronger or more powerful or more capable all the time? What would that feel like really considering what that would feel like? So one of the things I've been really working on as a goal in the last year, a little over a year now, is my morning routine and really kind of how to dial that in and get the most out of it. And so for me, this goal of defining my morning routine and being really consistent with my morning routine has been because I know it will improve my quality of life because I know that having a morning routine helps me empty my anxiety for the day. Like when I get up and work out in the morning, anxiety just like it's dumped out of me. I don't even know where it just disappears. It like dissipates in the sweat or something. I don't know. And then also reading in the morning helps my mindset all day long. The routine also helps me decrease anxiety. So there's the exercise piece of it, but also having some structure around my early morning and not just waking up and being reactive to what needs to happen around me. Also putting structure around my thoughts for the day really helps me frame my work so that when I do get through the kind of morning period when I'm home with Vinny and doing stuff and getting him ready for school, then when I come home, I'm in this like really positive space to work. And this is especially important on days when getting him to school is a struggle, as can happen often with a four-year-old. We're just like, even when we give ourselves plenty of time, things happen and shoes can't be found or the socks don't fit right. Or there's like a bump somewhere on a tag or a piece of clothing and like, or a drop of water gets on a shirt and we have to change the shirt at the last minute after we've already put on the coat. And like all these things happen where our morning often is just thrown off kilter because of the life of a four-year-old. But if I've started my day with exercise, I've started my day with reading, then first of all, I can manage them all better. But also when I get done through that, then I'm in this like really great place to sit down and be productive for the day and be positive for the day. So that's where I've been able to really closely look at what would meeting this goal, what would it be like to be consistent with this goal and how would it impact my life? And so for me, that consistent morning time by myself is extremely important for empowering me in all areas of my life and really helping me frame my whole day. So I've very seriously considered and looked at what the outcome is from that choice, from making that a goal and making that a priority. So think about 
what your goals are and how your life would be more amazing, more positive and more powerful if you were to actually meet your goal. Super, super important. And doing some writing about that might be helpful. And I tell this to my members a lot when we're talking about goals. I'll say, I want you to write down your why and I want you to be like emotional about it because you've probably already cried about this before. Like most people come to our facility for weight loss. And so when you come in to sign up for a program with us, often you're coming for something you've already had like this oftentimes very long emotional history over. So when you sit down to think about, don't just make it be like, oh, here, I'm going to do, I'm going to try this again. But you know, who knows if it'll work because I've already tried this a million times. Get very emotional about why you want this to work, why this is important to you, what this can do to impact your life and change your life. If you are emotionally tied to your why, you will fight for those goals, but you have to be emotionally connected to your reason. If you're not emotionally connected to your reason, you will not continue to do it. So that's a really, really key point. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over 1 million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy shedder, or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have 
found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. So the second reason you're not meeting your goal is because you're not putting enough structure around them. So you have to put structure around your goals. You can't just have a really loosey-goosey goal like, yeah, in the new year, I'd really love to get healthy. Like that doesn't mean anything. Or I want to do a better job of saving money. That doesn't mean anything. Another one would be, I've had a couple people say this in my different gym things. Like I want to get ready to like move or start a new career or change jobs, like all these kinds of things. But it's just like, I want to get ready phase rather than like I actually want to do. And so there's a lot of like, I'm going to update my LinkedIn. Like that's a great first step. Update your LinkedIn before you want to make a career change. But also it has to be bigger than that. Like every week I'm going to spend 30 minutes, you know, researching these three things, or I'm going to have appointments with these specific people to talk about what my opportunities could be, or I'm going to, you know, meet with a personal trainer to talk about exactly what my fitness goals are, or I'm going to hire someone to help me in some area, or I'm going to have a conversation with my husband about like exactly how are we going to save money? What does that look like? How much are we putting into a different account every month? How are we allotting that? How much are we each contributing from our paychecks? What are we going to use that money for? Like all these really important things. So asking a lot of questions around the goal, and then also being really specific about exactly how you're going to get there, or you will not succeed. So for this, you know, it might look like I'm going to use a couple different examples here but it might look like um, training for a half marathon. If you're going to train for something like a half marathon, when I did my first half marathon, I got a schedule, I got a book because it was like before the internet existed when I did my first half marathon. So I went to the old fashioned bookstore and I got a book that was called How to Run Your Best Half Marathon. And it had like a beginner plan, an intermediate plan and an advanced plan. So I went to the beginner plan and it was like, on Monday, you're going to run two miles. On Tuesday, you're gonna run three miles. On Wednesday, you're gonna rest. On Thursday, you're gonna run three miles. On Friday, you're going to rest. And on Saturday, you're going to run like four miles or something like that. And then it worked up each week. So I followed that plan. I was just like, oh, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to do because my goal is to run a half marathon. That's how specific you want to be with any goal. Think of all of it as a training program. So if your goal is we really want to save money this year, how about we really want to save $5,000. So that means that every month we're going to put away, is that $60 a month? Or hold on, (laughs) let me do the math. It's not $60 a month, by the way. (laughs) And I didn't mean 60. But anyways, it's $416 a month. So we're going to put away $416 a month. And then at the end of the year, we're going to have $5,000. And so that number might be totally different for you, but that makes it really specific. And then immediately you think, oh, wow, like if we had $5,000 extra at the end of the year, what would that look like? What would we do with that? How would that feel? 
What would it feel like to have $5,000 sitting there on December 31st that we normally don't have sitting there on December 31st? Think about how that would feel. That would feel pretty darn cool, right? And then what does that mean? You're going to put away this $416 a month. How are you going to do that? Do you need to give up some other things in your life to be able to do that? Or can you just easily be like, okay, we're each going to put $208 into this joint savings account. Is it that simple for you? It might not be. It might be that you need to like, we're not going to eat out anymore. We're only going to eat out once a week. So it's going to look really specific. And then what are you going to spend that on? Is that for a family vacation? Is it to pay down some debt? Is it like, what are you actually going to use that money for? So when you put parameters around it, and have some rules, then that makes it much easier. You have a blueprint to follow, right? So that's super, super helpful. This also happens whenever I have a new business goal, I have to look really closely at how am I going to break this down? And so I'll look at like the long-term goal. So when I was launching the podcast, it was like, I know I want to do this podcast. I want it to be twice a week. And I had to break it down into a lot of steps to get up to that point. I also had to ask someone for help and say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do it by this date. Can you get me there? Like, I didn't know anything about podcasting. I barely knew how to find podcasts on my phone. So I had to really look at like, how am I going to do this? And does it make sense for me to hire a coach to help me? And it did make sense to do that. And so then I had someone to really keep me accountable. And then I had a blueprint and my podcasting coach, Josh, gave me this amazing blueprint that was literally, I think we worked together for eight weeks and every week was like, here's your list of what you need to do this week. And that first week, oh my gosh, I wanted to like poop my pants. It was so hard. He gave me projects. He was like, oh, this won't take very long, but just fill this out really quick. And it took me hours and hours and hours because I wanted to be really clear and really careful. And he told me afterwards, he goes, wow, he goes, no one's ever filled that out as thoroughly as you. And it's like, great. I'm like, he's probably annoyed because he had to read through the whole thing. But I also was like, it gave me a lot of clarity around exactly what I wanted and why it was important and the direction I wanted to take the show. I didn't even have a name. This show did not exist as a name at that time. So I filled out all of these questions to be able to determine like, I want to talk with moms. I want to talk about being more selfish and more shameless. And I want to give them support and advice, but I don't want it to be specific to fitness because I do that at my gym already. So I want it to be more broad. So I was able to really formulate all these ideas around exactly what I want, how I wanted to shape this show. That was crucial for me to then be able to take the next steps in terms of finding a name. And, you know, that first few episodes, like that was daunting to come up with topics for the first few episodes. It was like this major jumping off point. I was like, what do you do for the first episode? Like, that's a lot of pressure. So coming up with all of that content was a big deal. But with Josh's help, we created this blueprint to actually make everything happen. And I very firmly believe that if I hadn't hired him to help me, I'd probably still be like, yeah, so someday soon I want to start a podcast. (laughs) So I am someone who does very well with external accountability. So I hire people to help me with that a lot. Okay. Number three. So the third reason you are not meeting your goals, you're holding out for a quick fix or next week or next month or next year. So this happens all the time where we think we're going to wait for the ideal time. I have people contact me all the time. And they're like, I've been waiting to join your gym for like three and a half years because I've been just waiting for like things to slow down or waiting for my kids to start school. You know what you could have accomplished in three and a half years? Even if you came like one or two times a week, you could have accomplished so much. You would have been in a totally different place right now. So when we put things off, it just delays the gratification of the goal. So if you start working on the goal now, it means you get to be joyful over having accomplished it way sooner. So I know in addition to this is when you hold out for the quick fix, which is also very common. So you say like, well, I know I need to do this, but I'm gonna like wait till I find like the easiest way to do it. 
then you're always just looking for a loophole. It means that when you're looking for that quick fix, it means that you haven't seriously enough considered how meeting this goal would impact your life. Because if you'd really seriously considered how meaningful that impact would be, you wouldn't wait for the quick fix. You would actually do the work to work through the process rather than just trying to jump around the process. And a good example of this would be doing a detox. This is super common after like summer, after the holidays. I'm just going to do like a three-day detox or a seven-day cleanse or whatever. Super, super common. We think that instead of like setting a goal of going to the gym, you know, three days a week for the rest of the year, I'm just going to do a juice cleanse for three days, which by the way, doesn't do anything except for make you hungry and tired and cranky for three days. And then any weight that you lost, you gain back the three days after because you've been starving and depriving yourself so that you like overeat for three days. And then it's all neutralized and you're like exactly back to where you started. So I know this because I've done the master cleanse three times. And I don't know if I've talked about the master cleanse. If you Google the master cleanse, you will learn all about it and all of its glory. I do not recommend anyone do the master cleanse. It's a 10 day cleanse. I have not done this in forever, by the way. I think the last time I did it would have been like 2004 maybe, but it's a 10 day cleanse where you drink this lemonade maple syrup juice that you make yourself and it's all you drink for 10 days and that in water and laxative tea. Oh, and then you also, you're supposed to put cayenne pepper in the lemonade juice that you make, but it's really hard to drink if you put the cayenne in there because it burns so bad. So instead you can take these cayenne pepper pills, which is a much easier way to get the cayenne in. But the effect of the laxative tea in the cayenne pepper pills, that combination, it burns like a mother. And I will let you like figure out what I mean by that. But a lot of things happen in the middle of the night, about five hours after you take that laxative tea and it is not pretty and it does not feel good. (laughs) So, and you do this for 10 days and you take the tea twice a day, actually. So you have to be really careful about where you are five hours after you take the tea and then you drink this juice. And by the end, you are so tired and so hungry. You don't even know you're hungry anymore. And you're so bored with the juice. You don't even care about drinking it. So you're not really drinking it. So you're like massively dehydrated and you've lost like 20 pounds in 10 days. And you feel like now you're skinny and the world is yours. And then about a week later, you've gained almost all the weight back because you're actually eating food again. And the world is no longer yours. And you're annoyed and frustrated and you feel guilty and remorseful. And you're pretty much back where you started. And so this is what happens when we do these short, quick fixes, they don't work and they don't last for the long haul. And when we do them, we lose sight of what we really want and why it's really important to us because it's like the opposite mentality of a quick fix, right? So if something's really worth having, it's worth working for and fighting for, and it's worth figuring out how can I do this and understand what I'm doing. A quick fix doesn't put you in touch with like, why do you overeat and why do you hate exercise? And how can you make those things positive in your life? Because they need to be lifelong habits. There's never going to be a time where a doctor's like, you know what? You have eaten enough healthy things now and you can just eat whatever you want for the rest of your life. Or you know what? You've done enough workouts for your life. You're done and you can just stop now. So when we do these quick fixes, you miss the point of the whole thing. Because the point of the whole thing with health and wellness is that like you're actually going to have to do it forever in some way if you want to live longer or enjoy your quality of life while you're alive. So at some point, if you choose not to engage in either of those things, your lifespan will be shorter or your quality of life will be much less. So no judgment around any of that. I'm just saying like, that's the like naked truth of it all. If you choose not to take care of yourself and pay attention to your health and how you take care of your body, like that's just what's going to happen. We know that from research that you will not live as long and your quality of life will not be as great. So those quick fixes don't really help you toward your ultimate goal, which I always talk to people about like your ultimate goal is probably 
even though a lot of times we're like, my ultimate goal is losing 30 pounds. Well, your ultimate goal is actually probably to like be around for your kids, maybe high school or college graduation, maybe be around for grandkids, maybe like not get cancer, maybe not be diabetic. Those kinds of things. Like those are the really big goals. Like what would it mean to never have to have a major health incident? That's a big freaking deal because most people, either you or your partner will have a major health incident. If you could prevent that by learning, by setting a goal around wellness, around taking care of yourself. And I don't mean like you have to become a huge weightlifter or do with like something that's like overwhelming. But even if you were to like just walk a few days a week and just have some healthy habits in there, what would that mean if it ultimately meant that you would maybe not have some sort of health scare down the road? So these are like really big things to consider when you're looking at goals. What is the very long-term impact of that goal? If you change careers, what does that mean for your retirement? What does that mean for like your enjoyment for the next 20 years? If you're going to be stuck in a job that you hate for the next 20 years, what does that mean? What does that mean for your family? What does that mean for your partner to have to deal with you when you come home every single day for the next 20 years? Like, oh man, just another day at the office or coming home moaning and groaning about something that you can't stand about your work or your boss or things that happen in the office. So those are really, really big considerations when you're thinking about goals. So when it comes to putting things off, we often want to wait for just the right time when life settles down. But the thing is, it never settles down. Think about like, since you've been married, or if you're not married, think about maybe before you had kids, like whatever that looks like. Think about like, when have things been slow and easy? Because I feel like from the time we got, my husband and I got married, I feel like we had a lot of couch time before we got married where we could like hang out and watch movies on the weekends. And it was like, just really chill. And then something happened. Like we got married and I felt like just all of a sudden, like there was so much going on and we bought a new house and we changed things in our jobs. And even before we had a child, it just seemed like things were in constant motion, like nothing ever slowed down. And then when we added a child to that, it like blew up exponentially and it's still not slowing down. So, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of ways that we've slowed our life down because we want to live a slower lifestyle. And I talked a little bit about that, or actually I talked a lot about that back in episode 105, if you want to listen in on that about how to simplify and slow down. But I also feel like you're never going to be like, wow, like now things are just so calm. Now I have room for like, you know, going back to school or now I have room for starting that exercise thing. It's never going to be like that. You have to figure out how to add the new thing to your plate and take some other things off. You have to figure out like how, and this was a big conversation that we had with our therapist. We were trying to have a second child. And I said, I just don't know where the second child will fit. I just don't feel like there's room. And so she had this fantastic question. And she said, what would need to happen in your life for you to feel like there was room? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the best question ever because I hadn't thought about that. And I was able to actually come up with things. And I was able to think through, I actually would need like these three or four things to happen for me to feel like there was room for another child on my plate. So those kinds of questions can be really, really important and really helpful because life will probably never slow down. So you need to think about what would need to happen. So maybe what would need to happen for you to start exercise might be like, you need your husband to help with breakfast in the morning because you want to go to the gym first thing and you aren't going to be home. You know, if you go to the gym from six to six, 45, then he'll get the kids up and do breakfast and you'll come home by 655 and take over. 
Or it might be that two nights a week, he does dinner with the kids so that you can go work out. And so that might be one of the things that would need to happen for you to start on an exercise routine, if that's your goal. Very similarly, if you were to go back to school, like what would that look like? Okay, I would need help with these things. Maybe we would need to hire a part-time nanny for certain things. Maybe I would need my husband to help in certain ways. Maybe I would need a neighbor or a friend to help with like bringing the kids home from school. So all sorts of different things that when you start to list exactly what they are, you're like, oh, okay, so if I put this piece here and I put that piece there, now I actually might have room for this new thing. And that is a way different way to look at it than just waiting for like, oh, I'm just going to, when things get quiet, I'm just going to, I'll wait for that because things will never get quiet. So you just have to start, even if it's the wrong time and it's ugly and it's lame and it's under the guise of experimentation, which is totally fine, but you have to just start. And so, and I love the idea of doing it under the guise of experimentation because I've done this with so many things where I'm like, I'm just going to try this and see what it's like. So I'm just going to try like when I first did my first half marathon, I was like, I'm just going to try to run like at that time, I think I'd never run more than like four miles. I was like, I'll just try to run five miles and see what happens. If it doesn't work, then I don't have to run a half marathon, but I'm just going to try it and see. Like within weeks, I was running nine miles. And so if you would have told me at the time that I was running three to four miles that within weeks I would be running nine, I would have never believed you. So I had to just try like the next step and then be like, oh, actually I can do that let's try the next step and see what happens. Um, just like the escape room where I was like, oh man, I'm going to blow this for everyone. And then as we started doing things, I was like, oh, like actually I'm kind of getting this and this is kind of clicking for me and I'm actually contributing and I'm actually kind of strong at this and this is great. So often it just means that you have to try and sometimes you're not going to be great at it and that's fine too. So you might learn that like we just implemented a new 520 class at my gym, 520 AM that is. And so there's people who've been trying it and they're like, some people are like, yes, oh my gosh, like it's painful to get up, but working out at 520 in the morning like rocks my world. And other people are like, wow, I will do that once and I will never do that again because that was really hard and like I was not even awake. And so you have to just try things to see what fits. You aren't always going to know before that it's going to be the right thing for you. So do something small under the guise of experimentation. The first time I did hot yoga, I was like, I'm just going to go and try and see what happens. And I kind of liked it okay enough to go back. And then I ended up falling in love with it. And I did it for years and I almost got certified. I didn't end up getting certified, but it was a huge part of my life during a long period of my life. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. 
So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And then number four, the fourth reason you're not meeting your goals is because you don't believe in yourself. So you're quick to give up on yourself. Self-limiting beliefs are the silent killer of most goals. So we get started on a goal and something happens where we think, well, it's not happening fast enough, so I'm just not good at this, so I'm not going to do it anymore. This is certainly relevant to weight loss, where we think I need to lose 30 pounds. And I've been at this for three weeks and I've only lost two pounds. So obviously I'm really bad at losing 30 pounds, so I'm not going to try to lose 30 pounds anymore. Or, you know, we look into a new job or a new hobby I'll use myself with snowboarding, for example. <laughs> I have started and stopped snowboarding so many times in my life. And now I'm just to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to go out there and do whatever I can. And it's never pretty. But I've had multiple fits of hysteria on mountains. Someday I'll tell you about the time I was tobogganed off the mountain in Whistler because I was literally having a temper tantrum because I would get myself so frustrated over not being a good snowboarder that I literally couldn't get myself off the mountain because I was so hysterical and so exhausted and my legs were burning like a mother, even though I was in amazing shape. This was when I was like at the peak of running half marathons and doing triathlons, but I was so wrapped up in not being good at snowboarding that I like completely destroyed any ability to actually snowboard. My husband can tell you stories. So self-limiting beliefs are the silent killer. We get something in our head that we're like, oh, this isn't working. This isn't quite how I planned it. And then we just stop. And it might be that something came up. It might be that you started 
working on something and like your kid got sick or you got sick or some family circumstance came up and you had to push pause for a minute and then you just never got back to it. That can be common too. And that oftentimes we think like, well, things are just too busy. So I can't continue to pursue this. That's a self-limiting belief because when you believe that things are too busy, it's because you're allowing things to be too busy. Now I'm not saying that there's not exceptions to that. There's definitely exceptions. If you have like, you know, a major family crisis, major family illness, some big, huge, you know, life event can get thrown in there very legitimately, something might need to be put on pause. But there's also a lot of ways that we say like, oh, well, now that this is happening, like I need to put this on pause and I can't prioritize this anymore. And a lot of times those are just stories we're telling ourselves. We're choosing not to prioritize that thing anymore. The other reason that you don't believe in yourself is that you don't talk it out. You just accept that you can't do something. So if you start talking it out, you actually can start to hear that you sound a little bit ridiculous because you are being so hard on yourself. And I mean that in a nice way, but you can start catching yourself. If you were to go to your partner and say, you know, I wanted to lose 30 pounds, but I only lost two pounds in the last month. So screw it. I'm not losing 30 pounds anymore. They would probably turn to you and be like, wow, you know, I've really noticed that since you've been exercising, you've been a lot more patient and you've been a lot more positive. And I've also noticed that like the whole family's eating better and we all feel better. And I've actually noticed that like I've lost a few pounds because you've been cooking more healthy food, which has been amazing. When you start talking it out, you can sometimes catch yourself and like in kind of how you just sound caught up in something and with the wrong perspective. And you're like, oh, that this should not be where I'm coming from. <laughs> and you can catch yourself in that. And that can be really helpful. So talking it out with someone. And I always say like talking out your most insecure things is the best way to not be insecure about your insecurities anymore. So and I actually recently did this with my husband. I was talking to him about something that I was just feeling really bummed out about and something that had been bothering me for a couple months. And we had this conversation over dinner and I like started crying and he was like, I had no idea you were having any thoughts about any of this. And I was like, I know I'm just trying to like push through it and be fine with it, but I'm not. And, and then it was like, it's done, like it's out there. And it, he was able to say, like, give me feedback on it. And I really like, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, this sounds ridiculous that I'm like having stress and anxiety about this. So I was able to kind of get some perspective on it and also get his feedback that he was like, I'm really sorry. And let me know if there's anything you need and like, let me know where you want to go with it. And, you know, he just gave me a lot of affirmation around the whole thing. And it felt really good when the whole thing was done. And I was really glad that we had the conversation because it was something that I had been feeling insecure about and I hadn't found the right context to address it with anyone yet. And then I addressed it with him and it was kind of like over and done with. And I was like, oh, okay, like this thing is fine now. This isn't that big of a deal. It was just a big deal in my head because I was letting it sit there all by itself, taking up a lot of space and it didn't need to. Also, you believe because you failed once that you will fail again. And this is a big one. If you have a history of like not completing things or a history of letting a quote unquote, letting yourself down, it can be really hard to believe that you can actually be successful. And so you are quick to let yourself off the hook if you have failed in the past because you think you're going to fail again. So I always go into things because I only like to do things I'm good at, which is very limiting in life. But I've learned in the last 10 years to make myself try things that I don't know if I'm good at or not, like a podcast, for example, with the idea that like, this might not go well, but I'm going to learn something. And I know that I can use whatever I learn out of this experience. I know I can use that down the road. And that even when happened when I went back to school for personal training in 2002, um, at that time, I was like, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with this. Cause I don't know if I see myself being a personal trainer and I certainly don't see myself being a gym owner, which by the way, I've been doing both now for 13 years. So it'll be 14 years this summer. So 
it's interesting. Like I didn't see myself that way, but once I started getting the ball rolling, I was like, Oh, actually, I guess I can kind of do this a little bit. But I also let myself off the hook saying like, I'm going to try this. It was a low risk thing. I was like, I'm going to try this for a couple of years and see what happens. I also knew that I had a job I could fall back on if it didn't work. So I kind of kept it low risk, but I was like, here's what I'm going to try. Here's my backup plan if I fail, but I'm not going to let myself off the hook. Like I'm going to finish this whole certification program, even if, because I thought I was going to be with like a whole bunch of like meathead people, which I wasn't at all. I was in a program with amazing people, but I was like, I'm going to stick it out no matter what happens, even if it doesn't go well. And I will learn from that. And I did, I learned a lot. I mean, the first thing I learned that was that not all people who do personal training certifications are meatheads. They're actually really cool, normal people. And so that was just a big life lesson right there. And then the fourth part of that would be that when you don't believe in yourself and you give up quickly, you let yourself settle and you tell yourself that you're okay with that. And it's not okay. It's not okay to settle for less than what you truly deserve. And it's not okay to settle for less than the best for yourself because you are modeling that to your children then. You're modeling to them like I'm going to stay in this career for forever. And I will use my parents as examples for that. Like my dad was in a career he hated for 25 years just to get the retirement on it, which I think he would say was probably worth it to him, but he also was miserable for 25 years. I don't think that's worth it. My mom stayed in her career longer than in hindsight she said she should have, and she said she should have probably left 10 years before. She was a teacher and after 42 years of teaching, she was pretty burnt out. And she was like, "You know, if I stopped at 32 years, those 10 years of my life would have looked so different if she could have just changed courses and still stayed in education, but maybe done something differently. But she didn't do that because she was just staying on one path, figuring like, well, this is well, and this is good enough. And I know how to do this. So I'm just going to keep doing that. Well, in the meantime, she got really burnt out and she got depressed and the profession, not on the same foot that she otherwise would have. And you know, she's grateful for the time she had been a teacher, but she didn't enjoy the end of her career. And so it's not okay to settle because you don't want to model that to your kids. Like I was super aware when I decided to go back to school, I was acutely aware of not getting pigeonholed into something that I would have to do for the rest of my life. And I could have gone back to school. I very seriously considered going back to school to get my master's in teaching, but that was going to cost a lot of money. And I thought if I do that and I am in debt with those student loans, then I have to do that profession until I pay those student debts off. And I'm afraid of being stuck in something that I'm not that it would make me feel like I settled. And so I didn't end up doing it. I did the the much riskier thing was the personal training thing. Cause I was like so out of my comfort zone, but I also was like, you know, I can try this. It's low risk financially. I can try it and see. And if it doesn't work, then I can go back to school, but I'm not going to settle right now. I want to try the thing that is like scarier and see what happens because I can always go back to the thing I'm going to settle on. Right. So that's always there. <laughs> so you don't want to model to your kids that you only do the things that are your comfort, that are in your comfort zone or that you stick with something just because you started it, even though it's no longer bringing you happiness. When you settle for things, it's really easy to live in the comparison trap where you see other people who met the goal that you had started out toward. And you're like, oh, look, like they did it and I never did it. And then that can be a very emotional um, and emotionally triggering thing for you. So go for the things that you really want. The solution to all of this would to be to make a plan and make it a very specific plan that's a step-by-step plan. So I recently gave a talk to one of my groups at the gym about how to eat an elephant. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So if you're making a plan to how to eat an elephant over the course of a year, you decide, you determine how many bites does that elephant take up? And then what does that mean for how many bites I need to take every month? And then how many bites do I need to take every week? And then how many bites do I need to take every day? And then at the end of the year, you've eaten the elephant. So really taking your goal and breaking it down into very specific steps. This is something that I walk people through 
all the time when they say like, I want to be better. I want to eat more vegetables this week. What does that mean? How many per day? What actual vegetables are you talking about? Like you need to be very specific or you won't do it. I want to drink more water. How much water? How many ounces per day? How many ounces by lunch? How many ounces by dinner? So it has to be very specific and very concrete. You need to be able to check at the end of the day, a box, yes or no, did you finish it? Not like, well, kind of, I don't really know. It needs to be a yes or a no, very clear, very concise, and very quantifiable is super important. So when you commit to something, when you commit to this new goal, you have to give it some time and some space. I say four weeks minimum, if not four months, because things do not happen. If you look at like the research on habits that have an impact is that it takes at least 16 to 21 times to build a new habit. So that's, if you're doing something over the course of a few weeks, that's going to be 16 to 21 days. Oftentimes, I think I would venture to say it takes more like 200 times to make something a new habit. So that would be closer to four months. So always give yourself that window of at least four weeks, if not four months, and oftentimes it can be four years (laughs) of just practice, practice, practice to make something stick and really make it be a part of your lifestyle that you can continue to work toward that will give you the things that you really want, that will help you get that improved quality of life. Because our goals are all about improving our quality of life, right? Every goal that you would have would be something that would improve your quality of life. So look at why those goals are really important and how your life would be so different if you actually met them. Notice what kind of structure you're putting around your goals. Where is your blueprint? And then stop holding out for the quick fix or waiting for next month or next year. Do it now, start now, and then catch yourself when you don't believe in yourself and you're being quick to give up. Catch yourself in self-limiting beliefs. Remembering that self-limiting beliefs are the silent killer of most goals. If you don't meet a goal, it's probably because at some point you told yourself you couldn't do it and you decided to stop. That's on you. That's not on anyone else. I told you this episode was going to be a little harsh. So with that, I want to say that every day you try and every time you try, you learn something. So that's very positive, right? So even if you try and you're like, wow, that did not work out at all, but I learned something. And at the very least, even if you don't feel like you learned something valuable, you have a really good story. So even in the worst situations where you're like, wow, that did not go well and I did not learn a darn thing. But you know what? I have a good story about the time that I tried to take up underwater basket weaving and I just gagged on myself the whole time. So (laughs) consider all of those things. Go out there, put together some goals, start working on them, write them down. And if you have a big goal that you want some help with or some input on, send it to me. I would love to know what you guys are working on. And this is something I'm going to be talking more about down the road, but talking about goals and accountability to goals and how I can help you guys more with that. So I would love any input or feedback that you guys would want on any goals you're currently working on. And you can send me your goals to info at shamelessmom.com. So thank you for listening today. Have a fantastic day. Before I let you go, make sure that you are following us on social media at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram and Facebook, because that's where we post midweek updates on all sorts of fun things. And then please do share this episode out. You can go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 107 to share this episode or to get a link to share this episode. You can also share from our social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook. But sharing the Shameless Mom Academy helps other moms. It helps other moms be better moms and happier moms, which is so important. That is why I'm doing this to help more moms. So please do share out the episodes that are most meaningful to you. I really, really appreciate that. And if you have feedback and would like to write a review, that is the best gift you could give me in exchange for my 
time that I spend recording. And you can leave a review by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And while you're there, click on the little subscribe button because you will be already in iTunes. You can click on the subscribe button. And then when we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, you will have immediate access. So thank you for listening today and for spending time with me in the Shameless Mom Academy. I can't wait to talk to you again in a few days. And until then, no matter what you do, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.